want you to stand if you're able. And we're going to pray this prayer together. We provide it on the screen until it's in your heart. Father God, say with me, Father God, help me not only hear your word today, but to fully understand what you are saying to me. I pray that I joyfully receive your word, refusing to allow any form of tribulation or persecution to cause it not to take root. I pray, oh my Father, that no one or nothing will be successful in tempting or distracting me from bearing fruit. Father God, I pray that as I receive your word, it is so clear to me that I leave your house today producing what your word declares I should be producing. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. I'm ready for the word. You can be seated. The Bible tells us in actually 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. This is why I was really straightforward a while ago. Uh, you know, now's not the time to play around because these are the wonderful words of life, the Bible says. In the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians, the third verse, myself, many, many other ministers have referred to this over uh, the past, I don't, I don't know how long. But it says this right here about this day we're living in. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. I'll go back to that in a minute, but on Friday, uh, we were just, I, I don't know, doing some odds and ends Friday, Friday evening in the house, and Angie had on uh, one of the uh, Christian networks, and it was, it was actually an old movie that was just playing in there, um, and it caught my attention because Gavin McLeod, the love boat, anybody remember him? Yeah, tell you young is who I'm talking about later. Um, he was in there, but he was a Bible professor uh, at, a, at a school set back in the 1800s. And he had created a, a time machine which could take and transport. Actually, his daddy created it. And it, when his daddy died, uh, his daddy was a biblical scholar too, and he just kind of uh, had an interest in that, and he kept it going. Well, you know, this, this movie's 20, 20 years old, and it's on Christian TV, so that right there does not pique my interest, and I say that in a loving way. Uh, I, I mean it well, but it, it just don't cut it. But the thing that did cut it was that, these men in the, dressed in the 1800s walked in this man's house or his basement and he had this time machine. And, you know, I'm thinking back to the future. This is all, you know, I, I didn't do that great in science, but I can promise you this. 
I did a lot better in science than I did English. That's not a, a hard one for you to kind of pick up on. Uh, I certainly did better than I did in history and all that. But I, I like science because I kind of like blowing up stuff. I like stuff that, uh, you know, has to do with technology and all that. So this thing caught my interest, and I just thought Christopher Lloyd was, this was kind of a knockoff of that, but it wasn't. But what it was all about was taking this man that was another professor. They were having an argument about the problem with society back in the 1800s that they were living in, that there was an absence of preaching about the authority of Jesus. And get this now, this movie, 20 years old, but that they were just trying to win people by pretty much talking about being a good moral person of all things. So that got my attention. Well, uh, myself and Angie, you know, we, we kind of caught some of it kind of when he was time-lapsed and all that. I, I don't want to kind of blow it in case you, you know, don't have nothing to do and you go home and watch it sometime. But anyway, um, they replayed it on Saturday when uh, I, I just happened to be in, in the house and I watched the part I was missing. And we said to ourselves many times throughout this movie that we cannot believe the things... This guy was talking in like 1800s English, by the way, too, and a lot of what he was saying. But a lot of things when he was in the year of 2000, he, he was talking about the moral decay, how families were uh, just all to pieces, how children were disobedient, how... Uh, you know, sexual uh, promiscuity had taken over. And we could not believe this, that we were watching something really that was 20 years old, but it sounded like some message some man preached a week ago. And by the time that I saw this, it really, really, really helped me to know that what God confirmed for me on Friday about this particular verse and, and what I'm going to share with you was where we need to be because to a lot of disagreement in the biblical world, a lot of people want to take that word falling away and they want to say that that means the rapture. But it doesn't. doesn't matter what Greek uh, dictionary you look up the word in uh, they all point to the word of apostasia or apostasy and, and you know that's walking away that's not being harpazio which is being caught up you know we read it a lot in Thessalonians uh, four, chapter 4 about the Lord says you know the dead in Christ uh, will rise, they'll be caught up together. That, that, that word's harpazia, that means caught up. It, it, it Falling away means what you think it means. It means falling away. And the writer of the Bible had as much common sense to use the right Greek word or the right word uh, caught up in this passage, Paul did, as in the book of Hebrews. So, I'm kind of just laying a little foundation here for you that when we read this right here, and you can look at it again, then we'll move on. Let no one deceive you by any means in a pulpit or on a television set 
or on a phone or just in casual conversation. Let nobody deceive you by any means that that day will not come first and unless there's a falling away that happens first and then the man of sin will be revealed. So in between the time, I will say this just for clarification, in between the time of the gradual falling away, falling away and kind of just like dropping dead are two different things. If you fall, that's a sudden thing. I used that months ago. If you just drop dead, you just like, you drop dead. But something can fall and then something can just be busted all to pieces. And so I want to let you know that as this falling away takes place, there's going to be the rapture that happens at any given moment. And that's what I quoted you, the dead in Christ will rise and they'll be taken. And then this man right here, the son of perdition, is going to be revealed. And so, you know, a, a lot of people don't like this. Why are biblical scholars at odds about stuff like this right here? Because... People don't want to believe that once you are saved, that you have an obligation to Jesus Christ. They want to think that you can get saved and be guaranteed of heaven, but you can be the dog returning to your vomit. God doesn't expect you to live any kind of lifestyle of holiness or separation or godliness. And, and when you say that, falling away, well, a smart person sees, well, it's really possible that I can need to do my first works. Oh, that's in there too. Need to do my first works over again. And so let's do away with it and just say it means people are raptured. That's not what it means. And so I want you to be very clear on this, and I want you to understand before you leave today, but before I go any farther. Now, there's a couple of scriptures that I, I, I just got to tell you about real quick because falling away is something I understand, and I believe everybody here understands, but I think you can get a better idea if I use the word drift or drift away. Let me read Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5 to you. What injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me? He's saying they drifted and have followed idols and have become idolaters. My brother in the Lord that's gone on, uh, Joe Boone, used to say that that word could also be broken up to say, I do later, or I do laters. That was Joe Boone theology. And over the years, I kind of thought about what Joe said. And, you know, that's what a lot of people that follow after idols say in their heart. Well, I'll, I'll do that later. I'll take my walk with Jesus serious later. I'll get back involved in church later. So I do later idolatry and, and idol worship, all that is a sign of drifting, and that's what Jeremiah was saying. But if you look at Micah chapter 7, 
verse 13, he just says, Woe to them, for they have fled from me. Think about drifting again. Destruction to them because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeem them, yet they have spoken lies against me. People do that, and they say that within themselves. Uh, let me just tell you about something I saw, I don't know, months or a year or two ago on the news that caught my eye. And it was about when we talk about drifting, how does this occur, by the way? Well, I saw this article or this newscast about a trash barrel that was at Myrtle Beach. And some young boys or a family had found it on the coast of Ireland. We've got a picture for you. I'll show it to you. And, and this, this picture shows, well, there it is. These two boys on the coast of Ireland, and, and the explanation was the people that were doing the report, I believe it was uh, maybe WPDE or whatever, picked up the story that maybe it was a storm or something of that sort that caused it to what they estimate to travel or drift some 4,000 miles from its original location. Well, how does, how does this happen? How does something like that happen? Well, drifting happens. It's a kind of, again, uh, an IQ test. This happens when something becomes disconnected from a stationary source, like that barrel that maybe was bolted down and the bolts come undone, or the concrete barrier fell down, or whatever. But anyway, it becomes loosened from a foundation if it was ever affixed to it, and it begins to drift. In this case, it drifted a long way. I just want to tell you quickly, though, when you get disconnected from Jesus Christ because there's a temptation there of any sort, of, of any size, you will drift <coughs> further than 4,000 miles. An old bass singer that I used to love because of his voice, and he was humble, his name was George Yonts. He used to sing a song with the Cathedral Quartet. And the words of it just said, Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll cause you to stay longer than you want to stay. And when a person drifts, when a person falls away, it might be pleasurable, the Bible says, for a season. But you better watch out, honey. It's taking you on a ride that you're not guaranteed you'll ever make it back home. I don't care what scholar tells you, when you get saved, the Lord does a dynamic, supernatural thing, not just in your life, but in all of heaven and earth. And that's why the believer always looks different, sounds different, walks different, and acts different than the world. And the world, including a lot of the church, has no use of this. The Bible says in the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, listen to this. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Don't remove the landmarks 
that thy fathers have set. And what does that mean today? Well, that means I was raised right. If you ask somebody if they're in church or somebody that quote-unquote backslidden, I know to do right, yeah. You know, I do later. I'm going to get to it. Man, I just got some stuff I, <clears throat> I got to get right before I, you know, come back or do the right thing. I'm telling you this. I just said this not just a week or two ago. You'll never get it all right to come back. You can't get right enough to come back. The only way you can do anything remotely right at all is let the righteousness of Jesus take over you and identify you. you. There is none good, no, not one. If you could be good enough or get it right enough, Jesus would have never left heaven. But he left heaven because you were born into sin. You are sentenced to hell because of sin unless the perfect work of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life. You will never see those pearly gates. You will stand before the throne of heaven, but you won't make it one inch inside because it's not for you. It's only for the righteous, and that's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the only way you can do this is to realize I am a sinner. I do sin even though I don't want to admit I sin. I've got sinful thoughts. I have sinful habits. I have uh, sinful natures that I give into a lot of times. And, and a lot of people that say, I'll do right, that was raised right, your mama, your daddy took you to Sunday school. They read the Bible at home. In other words, they had an ancient landmark that was placed in your life and in your family. But somewhere or another, this drifting happened. It might be because you turned 16 and got your license or 18 or you turned 21. You can go get your little drink now. That something happened and you just wanted to fit in because you were a square peg, you see. And so you just kind of drifted a little bit and got into that, or maybe you started winking at somebody at work, or they told you how nice you look in those clothes, or, man, you're getting in shape, you lost some weight. Oh, you know, you can go through all the dilemmas and scenarios you think about. And so when that occurs, if you don't do like Joseph did and just leave your coat and run for your soul, not your life, your soul, then you'll get involved in it. You'll start drifting. And then sin that we start out on begins to be a slippery slope and we find ourselves on a hill we can't climb back up. That's what drifting looks like. The Bible said in the 12th chapter, you don't have this, but I, I, I want to read this to you quickly. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to give it to your offspring. And Abram built an altar there to commemorate the Lord's visit. In the days of the, the California gold rush, there were people that would run to where they would think that the land might have gold in it, and they would go, and you've heard this term, they, they would go stake their claim. They would drive a stake in some property saying that they were now the property owner so they could get what was there. Uh, in times other than that, before them in the days 
of the colonizers, I'm going to read this to you. The explorers arrived at foreign shores and in front of the curious glances of the indigenous people, they planted a flag, is what this article said, uh, of their sovereigns. In more recent times, talking about Independence Day tomorrow, after great battles, the, the victorious troops raised their standard over hard-won territory. For instance, the U.S. Marines on Iwo Jima, an event captured in the famous photograph. Everybody knows about that. Uh, and subsequent statue, which was taken the day after the event took place. Abraham wound up when God told him to leave the land. He went to Shechem and he built an altar. And what he did by building that altar, yes, he worshiped God. Yes, he sacrificed to God. But he put a stake in all of history that's still good to right now. I don't care what any news outlet tells you the Palestinians or anybody else has rights to. I'm reading you the word, the spoken word of God that tells who owns what. God said it's yours and it's yours forever. So he built an altar. He sacrificed. But he was making a stake in that property, that promised property that God gave him. This is not just for me, but this is for my children and all that will come after me. I'm putting a stake. I'm building an altar that this is ours, but it's really God because God gave it to us. And from now on, days and centuries after I'm gone, there is a mark. There's a physical mark, but greater than that, there's a mark of lineage that says, my family belongs to Jehovah God. We will only worship. We'll only serve Jehovah God, and it will never end. And so what happens is when you and I, we don't do what Joshua did, and we speak for ourselves and our family, and we say what Joshua 24 says, listen, you decide who you're going to serve. If you're going to drift, you go on and drift in 2022. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That moment, Joshua was taking a stake, and he was putting a stake in the ground, and he says, I don't care whether my children like it or not. I don't care if they're not going to get likes on social media. I don't care if I have family that won't even have anything else to do with. I don't even care if the church don't like it. I've made my mind up. I'm taking my youngins to glory with me, and I'm putting a stake in the ground today. That's what it looks like. Now, the Bible says that, and... People that's in this building today are online. I don't know if you realize that dynamic supernatural thing that I was talking about earlier, but I kind of want to, I keep talking about salvation in relationship. I know I do. I really do. But it's not me speaking. I'm just delivering what I've been told to deliver, whatever day it is. And I keep talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. We may have to move the screen out of the way so you can see it. That's fine with me. But, but I, I want everybody to understand something. When you get saved, all of you 
that's been here any length of time. You got it memorized by now. But when you get saved, I want to say you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I, I'm new. I don't even know anything about Jesus. I don't even know anything about the cross, and we may need some, some light on that so everybody gets it and all that. But just listen to me. These guys will get everything straight so you can see. Because I want you to see the cross today without any problem whatsoever. So for those of you who may have drifted or you don't know at all, let, let me have about a minute or two, if y'all would. And I just want to kind of go over this again. Can I do that, church? It might save somebody from hell. A long time ago, as I've already told you, that God looked down and he saw that after Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve. Ladies, say amen. amen. Why to do that? Everybody wants to bring up Adam. But I want to tell all of the Adams in the house and all over the world, Adam, you had a choice not to eat the apple, dude. Amen? What does that Bible say? If the blind lead the blind, they both fall in what? I don't cut Adam no slack. I, I, I don't jaw jab Eve. Now, the women have a problem with Eve every time a baby's born, and they have to go through, all, amen, women? A lot of women won't talk to Eve if she's up there when they get there. But they had a perfect, you don't ever hear this, but they had a perfect paradise. They didn't have to work. They didn't have to do anything. But the moment they drifted away, how did they drift away? Let no one deceive you by any means. The serpent, the snake, the devil came along, and he said, did God, he starts out by questioning God's word. Did God really say not to eat of that? I, I think he was just joking. He probably just said that because he knows that if you eat that apple, you're going to be like him. You'll have a lot of knowledge and wisdom and all that. So, because we're creatures of pride, that's when, that's why I talk about social media and everything else so bad. That is built off of a foundation of pride. I'm not saying it's all wrong. I'm saying, but when a person lives and breathes and that's where they find their identity in that instead of that cross right there, we got a problem, Houston. And it's as bad with 40 and 50 and 60 years old as it is teenagers. I want an amen from somebody. Amen. Yes, it is. And God saw that picture, and he said, now, it, now they've, they've allowed not only themselves to be ejected from the Garden of Eden, they have invited sin into a world that was never supposed to have sin in it. And so not only was Adam and Eve now messed up and in a mess, but the whole earth. Because every baby that's been born since that day was born into a sinful earth. So God, because he's a, despite what you hear, because he's a good God, he looked and he saw now not a paradise, but a world full of sin. So God says, wait a minute, I created the heavens and the earth. 
I made man in my own image, and there's no way I'm going to let sin have the lives of people that I made that are mine in my own image. So this is what God did. He took an old rugged cross about 2,000 years ago, and he put a stake in the ground because he said, I hate to have to do it this way, but I'm putting a stake back in that earth that Satan put a stake of sin. I'm going to put a stake of salvation. So 2,000 years ago, on a hill far away, there was an old rugged cross that was put on a hillside, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, was nailed to an old rugged cross. And when he was nailed to the old rugged cross, everything that you would ever experience, your sin, all of your shame, all of your doubt, all of your hurt, all of your confusion, it would all be on the cross. All the things you think you do right, and you really don't. All the things you do wrong. All of those things was nailed to the cross. But also, every single promise was put on the cross. Because it's in Jesus that we live and we move and we have our being. You can't do it on your own. It's all got to be done through Jesus, church. And so all of the promises in the Bible that the Lord said were yours and you could have, like he's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my strong tower. Hey, he's my peace in the middle of the storm. Hallelujah. He's my alpha. He's my omega. Hallelujah. He's my way. He's my truth. He's my life. He's my strong tower. Hallelujah. He's my anchor. He's my redeemer. He's my door. Hallelujah. He's my master. He's my advocate. He's my bread. Yes, he is. And he's also my healer, and he's my Jesus. Jesus, my Jesus, Jesus loves me. This I know. Every bit of that was put on that cross over there. So Jesus wanted to make sure that you wouldn't miss out on any promises. So he just said, son, you're mine. Your sins are under the blood. And I want you to stay close to me. I want you to stay near to me. I don't want you to get out here and let something that feels good or is going to get you in where you want to be for a limited time, a small window. I don't want you to get involved in that and just kind of drift because over time I've seen so many people that used to be on fire for God and they used to have a standard of holiness. They used to have a walk that was undeniable that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior. And I'm telling you, much to their disagreement, they have drifted away from their first love and will stand before the Lord unless they go and do those works over again. And so what happens? How does that happen? Well, you see, when you fall in love with Jesus, he's not just a religious figure to you. He's, as I said, he's your life. He's your everything. In fact, you don't want to even do anything unless you talk to Jesus about it first. You don't want to go anywhere unless you know that you know you know that Jesus is right there. With, well, he'll never leave me, no per se. Yeah, he won't leave you. But see, there comes a time when you can drift, and there's some places Jesus ain't going to go, church. Say what you want to say. So Jesus says, yes, yes, you mind? And I give you freedom. And see, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, 
they, this is a rope of grace right here. A lot of people say, well, you know what? I can do this now. The grace of God, it covers me. And the grace of God knows I'm a human and I'm made out of flesh and all that. Yeah, God knows all about grace because it's his grace, you see. You don't have to define grace for God. God knows all about grace. And so a lot of people say, well, you know what? God's given me a testimony. He's given me an ability. And, uh, and see, down here, up here, I'm on a hill far away. But down here, I'm in the world. And God lets me go out here. Because I'm salt and light. And as long as I'm connected to Jesus, you see, it's all good. Because I know who I'm connected to. I've driven a stake. I didn't say, God, I just want to get a certain distance with you. And Lord, and then when, I, when my life's back in order, my family's back in order again, uh, I'll be good. No, Lord, I don't want to live a day without you. And, see, and so, see, I'm mindful of him. I'm connected to him. I drove a stake in that cross. I didn't want to just go in and touch it one day and say, oh, I can't wait for the rapture. I'm going to heaven. But in the meantime, no, I wanted to state my claim that for me to live from this day forward is Christ and to die is gain. I don't want my old life. I don't want my name. I'm not a white man. I'm not a black man. I'm not a Hispanic man. I'm not an Asian man. I'm not a man from another country. I am a Christian bought by the blood of... See, see that right there? I just went, whoa, 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 whoa. You, uh, let me just say that because, you know, I felt, I felt all that coming back, the racquetball preaching that goes on. Listen to me. If you are still white and you are a Christian, you are not Bible saved. If you're still black and you're a Christian, you're not Bible saved. If you're still Hispanic, if you're still Asian, if you're still Indian, anything you want to name, if you still get your identity from anything in the earth other than the cross and being identified with Jesus, you're not Bible saved. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not Bible saved. I don't care. I don't care about my ancestry. I don't care. Thank God that I had a praying family and a preaching family. I thank God. But that's a spiritual lineage. That's an Abraham that built an altar and said, my family's going to serve God. We're going to worship God. My daddy's back there. You went to church, baby. Yeah, you did. He wasn't a pastor. Y'all went to church. I don't care if they're cleaning the church or cutting the grass. Wednesday night revival. It don't matter. If church was open, you were there. Amen, daddy. Amen. You were there. You know why? Because they drove a stake when they gave their heart to Jesus. They said, we're going to live for Jesus now. And when God blessed my mom and daddy with a family, they said, now our family is going to live for Jesus. They put a stake in the cross, and they put a stake in our house, and that's why all four of us love Jesus and serving Jesus today. If you drive a stake in the ground, God will honor it. And so God knows. He knows he needs you out here, but you got to stay connected to the cross. You got to realize my identity, my life, my source is all in the cross right here. And it's only by the grace of God that I can be in this room and preach to y'all today. Only by the grace. But now the problem is, you know, there's always a problem. We started out talking about the problem. The problem is that you, you start, you're kind of drifting 
and you get your eyes on not being salt and light in the world, but you get your eyes on what you might be missing out on or what other people have defined as all right now. And see, and so you say, you know, like Lot did, you go over here and you get right here and oh, get ready to go out. And the Lord tugs on you. He says, ho, ho, ho. Uh-uh. Ho, ho, ho. That's as far as you need to go. You need to cut that off. Ho, ho, ho. Don't do that. I don't care if you think it's all right. Ho, ho, ho. That's the grace of God right there. That's the God saying, stop, Joseph, run. I don't care if Potiphar's wife won't tell on you. It's going to affect my and your relationship. Ho, ho, ho. That's the grace of God at the stake I drove in because, see, I got access to the grace of God because I'm a child of God, you see. And the Bible tells me, Opie, whatever you do in this world, don't you frustrate the grace of God. But, see, sometimes it just gets so overwhelming. And what happens when you miss out of church and you fudge and everything's okay at home and you associate with anybody that they can be in church this day and then go participate in that tomorrow and all that and you don't read, you don't pray, you don't really spend time with Jesus. This is what happens. The grace of God, hallelujah, the Spirit of God won't always strive with man and it's just more than you can take. And so you know what you do? come and you say man that looks good and you start you start you know you start looking at all that over there and God been tugging on you and saying uh uh no 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 I love you but it's more than you can handle and so you just kind of drift on away you let go and you drift and you say well I'm still going to pray I'm still going to pay my tithes. I'm still going to go to church. I'm going to still do all that stuff. But see, now you're in a sinful world. See, I've done told everybody here that the only hope you have in this earth, in this life today, is not something you can do or not a preacher or a church has watered down for you over time the only thing you can do is put all your faith and hope and every breath of your life in Jesus Christ. And if you don't stay tethered to the cross that you say you put a stake in years ago, you'll get out here in the world. The only salt you'll be caring about is on some stake somewhere with a bunch of people drinking, carrying on, cussing and all this, and you're right here among all of the other people who have no clue about what's about to take place in church again today. And I mean this, today is the day of salvation. We've got to understand that God says it's a good thing when people realize where they have fallen from or when people realize I don't have my first love like when I first got saved. You know, I have kind of just... I become used to it. I, I talked about Nelson Bailey last week, and I Lord reminded me, the Holy Ghost said, oh, you know what, you didn't say it last week, so I want you to say it today. Well, I talked about him and how 
you could tell he was a Christian and all that. And I remember when I was down uh, the road at Springfield, I remember telling a couple of people this. This wasn't toward him. This was, this was against people. I said, well, he just ain't been saved and been around church people long enough. That'll wear off. Not him, but they will wear that off. He don't, he don't know anybody. Because, see, the longer you say you are a Christian, the more calloused you become, the more relaxed, the more untethered, and you tell yourself, well, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with this. You do all this. And without holiness, no man, the Bible says, will see the Lord. And the preacher struggles daily on trying his best to figure out why people cannot understand that if you're going to heaven, you've got to look, act, talk, pray, and be like a person that's on your way out of this mess. You can't look like the world and still get on the first load and go in the rapture church. It won't happen. I said it on the 3rd of July in this church and don't care. I'm not up for debate because I'm not saying it based on my words. I'm telling you what God says. And I love you enough to tell you, don't drift. Don't be deceived. Don't fall into the pool. Don't let somebody come and tell you, well, he's just, he's just kind of carried away. I am carried away. And one day I'm going to be raptured away, and I'm taking everybody that goes to multitudes that will allow me to help you get home. I'm going to do it. Now, Lord put a stake in it for you. Abraham put a stake in it for his family. You know what, by the way, it's a whole lot cooler down here, y'all. I don't know why I don't preach often. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God for air. Lord, have mercy. But I'm wondering today, I told you about my family putting a stake in it. I'm telling you that the devil don't want anybody here to get tethered up. You know, that preacher... He already told you he was hot up there. He was kind of a little delusional, you see. Serious Christians do what Joshua did. Um, can, I, can I just read Hebrews to you? I want to go to the book of Hebrews, and I'm, I'm closing. Uh, I think it's Hebrews 6. I want you to listen to this. I'm going to actually read verse 16. Uh, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, listen to this, folks, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set 
before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Not only is the cross a stake, but the cross is also an anchor. You see, just like you can get your eyes on stuff out here and you can drift away, there's things that the devil, hallelujah, I want everybody to listen to this. He will try to kill, steal, and destroy in your life, in your home, in your family. He will try to do this, and he will afflict your body. He will afflict your mind. He will afflict your emotions. He will afflict relationships. He will afflict uh, your finances and everything about you. He will try his best to try to drag you down. We are cast down, but we're not forsaken. The Bible says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So when the devil tries to take you down and pull you where the rest of the world is, you need to make sure that you understand this day. It's also an anchor. This cross is also an anchor. The anchor holds. Oh, man sung it years ago. The anchor holds. The anchor holds through storms, through battles. So whatever you're dealing with right now that seems to be getting the most out of you and pulling you down, you just need to make sure you're tethered to this cross right here because I will cling to the old rugged cross and stay. I'm going to exchange it for a crown. I want you to stand if you will, and I want everybody today To make your mind up by any means at all. We're too close, y'all. We're too close to the trumpet. Not by any means are you going to be distracted. I, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to drift. I, I'm not going to allow the things of this world to drift. And me drift with it. Because, see, heaven and earth are going to pass away. Everything's going to melt. Doesn't matter how expensive it is. A ring, a car, a house, a, a piece of property somewhere in some nice tropical island. Everything you know of, a new heaven and a new earth, is waiting on the people that's married to Jesus. Going to be married. And today, you can make your mind up. And see, this is what I'm facing with here. Because when you leave, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I'm going to get the ushers to help me in a minute. This is something God laid on my heart to do. I think everybody needs to go put a stake in it one more time. I don't care if it's your front door and you pay $95,000 for it. Somewhere that's going to remind or in the dash of your car, I'm getting your attention right now. I know I am. But I want you to make your mind up. Today, I don't need a nail to do that. See, you're already drifting. If God laid it on my heart to, to, to provide it for you to do it, I wouldn't leave here and not do it. I can just tell you that. You know, I don't never, I don't never try to go there. 
But I'm speaking on behalf of God right now. I'm not asking you for an offering. I'm not asking you to sign up to help anything. I'm trying my best to preach what thus saith the Lord. This is something God laid on my heart. You don't know how much scheming and planning the devil's tried to do to get you to drift this next week. Get you a nail when you leave here and put it somewhere where it's going to remind you, I've been trying to do this for years on my own, but in Christ, I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to stop being a part of that. I'm making my mind up. I'm putting a stake in this thing once and for all that I'm tethered to Jesus. That's the only thing I'm strapped to. It's not to the world or my pride or image. I'm going to do that. Put this somewhere where it will remind you every day that you pray without ceasing. You make your calling and election sure. You be sure that your sins will find you out if you don't do what God has told us to do, and that's to live in a way that represents Jesus Christ, that he's all we want, he's what we're tied to. We used to sing a song growing up, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in Jesus. And you get tangled up, that's a good thing. I got tangled up this week with the Holy Ghost. And you get wrapped up. But you need to make sure you are tied up with Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer, if you're not in a relationship, I didn't say a religionship, I said a relationship. You are not tethered to Jesus. You go to church you like Christian, you like K-Love, you like all that, but you're not head over heels for Jesus. I said head over heels for Jesus. I want you to come to this altar right here. You're not head over heels for Jesus is what I've been impressed to say. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be nice. But y'all, most people's not head over heels for Jesus. All right? Because you can't stop the river that would be coming out of you. Out of your belly will be rivers of living water. That description is not for somebody that got a sticker that say, I'm saved now. But that description just says, you know, Opie, I want my life, I want it to scream, Jesus Christ. And again, I ain't said this in months, but the altar is a place of sacrifice. The altar is a place that you can come to, not because everything's wrong. See, it sounded like when I was given that invitation that everything's wrong in your life. These people are at this altar right now because there's something right in their life. It's called Jesus. Does anybody else, before we pray, there's something right in your life and it's called Jesus. If you're not, we're about to win about 40 people to Jesus today. Is, is Jesus right in your life? Or is the drifting right in your life? What is it? Not looking for a certain person or people. But I want everybody, I want everybody praying together. I, I want us to pray together.
if this was a concert of somebody you like, and they say, come to the front of the stage, you'd be down here beating all over the stage. Is anybody else? Anybody else in love with Jesus? Anybody at all? Father God, we are here because we love you. Drifting is a dangerous thing, Lord, and that's why you warned us about it. A barrel can go 4,000 miles. God, we can drift a whole lot farther than that. I'm asking you, Lord, to bless these people right here in front of me. God, would you bless them with a presence, Abba Father, like they've never felt before, like they've never, ever, ever known before. Would you do that, Lord? Because I want my life, I want our lives to say Jesus. I don't want my personality to say me. I don't want my economic status to speak for me. I don't want my job or my my abilities to speak for I want Jesus to be what people think of when they see me. So, Lord, would you answer this prayer at this altar right now? In the name of Jesus, Lord, any person that's not a believer, you might be here, but you might be online. I've been given the, I've been given the invitation for 40 minutes. Jesus came to this earth because sin had already not only damaged you, but it already marked you. But God loved the world so much that he put a stake in the earth. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have everlasting life. And all you have to do here or wherever you are is say, Lord, I want a relationship with you. I want to be saved. The Bible says that he is faithful and just. He's willing to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And Father, I pray for Multitudes Church that we would finish the race, Lord, running. We would finish it running, Lord. Not running our mouth, not running our, our minds, but running, Lord, running to win the loss, Lord. I pray you would anoint us, Abba Father. Father, you know we cannot do this without your power. I'm asking you, Father, would you give us wisdom? We lack it, Lord. We desperately need wisdom from you. So, God, we fear you. You said that the beginning of wisdom is fearing you, oh God. So, God, we have a holy, reverent fear of you that we want to complete the work. We want to be obedient to the cross. We want to win those that are perishing, Lord. God, the whole time we want to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh. So help us today, Lord, to do that.
and let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer.